0: Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you look to Gawker for high journalistic standards, what the hell were you thinking? This is the Saturday, July 18th, 2015. Was that wrong? Should I not have done that edition of the show talking about journalistic standards, ethics, and the bright line between the business and editorial side of journalism, or as we like to call it, the Easter Bunny of media. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by the Murdoch Institute for Ethics and Journalism. In this modern world of 24-hour news driven by ideology rather than facts, it can be hard to know where to stand ethically. At the Murdoch Institute, we believe in one simple journalistic philosophy. We gots to get paid, bitches! No matter what it takes, no matter who it hurts, we gots to get paid. If you would like to sponsor the show, call up Nick Ditton, would tell you about that time he wrecked his company and how sponsoring the show would do the exact same for you was that wrong should i not have done that i tell you i gotta plead ignorance on this thing because if anyone had said anything to me at all when i first started here that that sort of thing was frowned upon fair warning here at the start this is a wonk story about journalism If you are not a wonka, indeed, if you've never even been to a chocolate factory, you probably want to skip past this one. If, however, you care about truth, justice, freedom, accountability, and mothers, if you care about America, if you think pickup trucks and flags are the thing, That purple mountain's majesty are more than grape soda and codeine cough syrup slurpees. If you believe in a shining city on the hill and tearing down this wall, in Reagan and babies in our God-given right to pack a rifle at your baby's christening. Wait, sorry about that. Anyway, we'll get on with the show now. Let's say you run a successful news blog which has grown from a nasty little gossip rag you started in 2003 to a somewhat respected institution over the years. You've made some mistakes along the way, saw the world changed around you, and somehow managed to ride the waves to build something kind of worthy. If you aren't winning Pulitzers, which face it, they won't even consider the kind of work you do, you make nice money, and occasionally you break some good stories. Now, say you get a juicy little story with some famous names, lurid allegations, and just the right amount of clickbaitiness. The big problem is the names are famous by proxy, kind of like Murray Kardashian is famous by proxy. You know, the cousin you never see because, well, he's a fucking Murray. Your editorial staff is up in the air about this story because it seems legit, but there are these holes, and frankly, they're not even sure Murray Kardashian is the kind of person that even merits a news story about him. But this story is juicy. Prostitutes, closeted homosexuality, extortion, rich people, and connections, however distant to the White House. Do you run it? Of course you run it. You're at the fucking New York Times. You just run that shit. Of course, if you do, you have to worry that it's going to blow up like a firework launched from your crotch. But you know what? It's journalism, right? I mean, you can't break an egg without fucking up someone else's omelette. But then people say, wait a minute. Murray Kardashian? Who is this guy? why are you running a story about his private peccadilloes? I mean, is it right to talk about Murray? And the universal answer is no. Even if Murray is distantly related to someone famous, Murray himself is just... Murray. And he doesn't deserve that. So you take down the story, apologize, and everything is hunky-dory, right? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I was absolutely horrified. This never happens in the States. No one ever sues anyone here. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's probably going to happen. Or, you know, maybe your staff could rebel against your decision and publicly disagree with you on the very website you own. Former staffers could just start popping out of the woodwork to chastise you in the environment that you created. I mean, I guess... That m- might happen. Th- that's that's, that's going to happen. Basically, you're, you're the, in the eye of a shitstorm, and all you've got is a wet nap and one of those little tiny drink umbrellas, and that's exactly where Nick Denton of Gawker is right now. Gawker Media, which New York Magazine once called America's Most Resentful News Property, and that's a title I'm working really hard to usurp, by the way, has a rep for being mean, For not giving a good goddamn about how rich or important or famous or even fuckable you are. If there's a story about you, they're going to publish it. But here is a story that just isn't newsworthy. The only people that could conceivably care about Murray hiring a male prostitute are Murray, the prostitute, and Murray's wife. They're could be a minor argument to be made that the prostitutes alleged attempts to extort murray and get murray to use the kardashian family connections to fix some problem or another or i guess they kind of make it news ish but in the end the sourcing on that is pretty thin it's based on one side of the story and some easily fakeable digital evidence Look, you give me some good source material and uh, Photoshop, and in an hour, I can bring you irrefutable, quote, proof, unquote, that Mark David Chapman and John Hinckley Jr. are currently running a Tim Horton's donut shop in Saskatchewan. But... If you tried to actually source it with independent sources, you're only going to find a thin line that leads to maybe one of them ordered at a Tim Hortons once, and if you're going to level a guy like Murray's life, you'd need more than powdered sugar in a dream. I mean, you need a fucking receipt, at least. The original story was just a shit show. And the rest of the media now, many of whom kind of carry a winking respect for Gawker's lack of fucks given over how upset the story subject might be, or the kind of people who say do you know who i am i'm mo green i made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders universally they've universally came down on gawker media for running a story about this poor bastard and neil dash asked the simple question on twitter before this story broke could you even tell me who murray kardashian was Many more pointed out that publishing the story abetted a blackmail scheme, and a few of the more vocal folks accused Gawker of being anti-gay because of the male-male pairing of the individuals involved. The reaction was fast, and in my opinion well-founded. The story just should never have ran. But if the editorial board makes a decision to run something the business side sure as hell doesn't get to come along and undecide their decision. They don't get to say, we're taking it down. And this is exactly what happened here. Nick didn't exercise executive control over the objections of the editorial board and took down the story. And this naturally and rationally pissed off the entire gawker editorial staff and they've got a good reason to be because what has happened here is that they're killing independent george there is also independent george that's the george you know the george you grew up with movie george coffee shop george liar george bawdy george i I love that george me too and he's dying jerry if relationship George walks through this door, he will kill independent George. A George divided against itself cannot stand. Though in this case, you really have to replace George with Gawker, and and, and that would beat this. You, never mind, you get that. Okay, let's let's just start with the part about whether or not the story should have ever been published. News is predicated on two things. Is the information true, to the best of your knowledge, and is it pertinent to the public interest? The answer to the first one has to be an undeniable yes. But the second one's gotten blurry over time. I mean, okay, let's look at everyone's favorite philandering president. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Oh, no, 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 not that, not that one, the other one, the, the other philandering president. I mean, there was a lot, but your favorite. <laughs> let's, let's think back for a minute. Remember a guy named, named Kennedy, John F. Kennedy? Remember him? He fucked Marilyn Monroe. Matter of fact, him and his brother Bobby fucked Marilyn Monroe. And history doesn't talk about that much. You know why history doesn't talk about that much? Because those two pages in history are stuck together. (laughs) The fact that Kennedy couldn't keep his dick out of the steno pool or Hollywood starlets wasn't even close to being a secret to the press corps at the time. But they answered that question of pertinency differently was it pertinent to the American public? And they said no. Now, admittedly, this was a different time where men were men and women were silent and powerless. A time when American men ruled the world. They strode the land. A time that we went to the moon. A time that we fought communism and fucked Hollywood starlets right there in the Oval Office. Bent over the desk, just smacking that ass. Sorry. I I got... Away Today, according to some news outlets, everyone is fair game. Everything is pertinent to the public, even you. And that's the flaw in modern media structures. If everything and everyone are open for the news, then where's the difference between, you know, news and talking shit about someone behind their back or to their face or on Fox News? Had there been a real traffic cop over a gawker, you know, a senior person with years of experience as a journalist, an understanding of ethics, and the wisdom to look at a turd and call it a turd rather than a controversial take on the issue, this story would have been flushed, leaving only a lingering smell. Instead, everyone at Gawker, and indeed most modern media, Everyone is an editor. A staff writer is basically an intern, and the publisher is usually a company that makes hard drives in Indonesia. Nick Denton at Gawker at least is committed to the idea of journalism as he sees it, but so's Roger Ailes. So, there you go. The day of the editor-in-chief is as outdated as the idea of independent sourcing and not having your anchors being total fucking idiots. And the other problem here is one of a firewall and not the one that keeps your computer from being a wretched hive of scum and villainy from the umpteen million porn sites you visit on a daily basis. What porn do you have anyway? Two terabytes. That's gibberish. Is that a lot? I don't know. Is 8,000 movies a lot? 8,000? How do you even watch that many movies? I don't watch the whole movie, Stubeck. I'm usually flushing tissues after the first scene. Oh, what does that even mean? Oh, Jesus. Do you know anything about porn? Uh, no, because I love my wife. She gave me a calendar of boudoir photographs for our fifth anniversary. The firewall in media is the barrier between the money and the content, between the people who own the business and the people who report the news, and it's the oldest fight in journalism. Some in Lascaux, France. A caveman reporter probably got into a fight with a cave publisher over his rendition of Grok the Elder on the wall with a small club, if you know what I'm meaning, and he was probably thrown out and eaten by dire wolves. It goes back that far. So when Ditton yanked the post over the objections of his editors, he was following a long tradition of publishers meddling in news without any appreciation of the ramifications of their actions. And likely, he opened himself and Gawker up to legal action, whereas if he just did nothing or simply made a correction or a retraction if the story wasn't true, their balls would not be in a vice legally speaking. But by pulling the story, like he did, and simultaneously saying that it was true and relevant, any jury with two brain cells to rub together is gonna find for a plaintiff in the legal action. We gotta get that cut to her now. Easy. That's a fucking guilty move. Tony's conscious. Yuga Bish Everybody and his mother was in there talking to him when he was in that coma. Denton's move and the subsequent backlash probably won't sink Gawker. Face it, the kind of fast and loose journalism Gawker gets away with is hardly even the worst offender here. I mean, watching Perez Hilton call Max Reed out for this story almost gave me an involuntary personal protein spill the obligatory Carlin reference for this episode. Nor is it entirely new. You know, back in the day when the National Enquirer was breaking scandals like me shot glasses towards the end of my show bottle, they were accused consistently of sensationalism and shoddy journalism, which is kind of like calling out an incontinent basketball player for double dribbling. God, that was a dated reference right there. I mean, shit, even the networks are... And hell, particularly, especially network TV, play this game just at a much higher level. Anyone who's ever watched a big breaking news story while Don Lemon stands around and says just whatever crazy shit comes into his head knows exactly what I'm talking about. Hijacking or terrorism or mechanical failure or pilot error, but what if it was something fully that we don't really understand? A lot of people have been asking about that, about Black holes and on and on and on and all of these conspiracy theories. Let's look at this. Uh, Noah says, what else can you think about? Black hole, Bermuda Triangle. And then Deji says, huh, just like the movie Lost. And of course, it's also, they're also referencing the Twilight Zone, which has a very similar plot. That's what people are saying. I know it's preposterous, but it, is it preposterous, you think, Mary? Good God, Lemon. As I've said before, we get the press we deserve. There are good writers at Gawker and all the other news blogs out there. Writers who do hard-hitting journalism and rabble-rousing editorialists with their pet causes. I mean, look, if I could have a guest besides Murray Kardashian, who is just dying to get on the show. I'm sorry, Murray, you're just not a big enough name for me to book. I mean, for God's sakes, you're Murray Kardashian. Try one of those lower-level podcasts. We're just better than that, Murray. I mean, hey... I would have Hamilton Nolan on this show in a heartbeat because I like to think he shares my desire to place a big fucking guillotine right next to the Wall Street bull just to remind those bastards how bad things could actually get. No matter what, unless the new media takes the best part of the old media structure, accountability, and integrity, you know, editors... We're going to get more and more of these stories until finally, every time we take a dump, a blogger-cum-reporter is there to live blog how many times we wipe. Personally, it's two, maybe three, after taco night. People who do dumb or bad things are news, but those things need to have meaning to the world at large. Or they're really funny, or they're from Florida. And the hard line between content and cash needs to be shored up by the very same editors i mean right now the next generation of reporters are cutting their teeth at buzzfeed for god's sakes writing things like 23 cats who know that the iran deal will never work and they think this is what news is going to be in the future it isn't everyone knows that if you want an animal to comment on the iran nuclear deal you need baby piglets jesus buzzfeed who's just Come on, just get it together. The era of hard-drinking journalists lingering in Parking Gerards is hoping to find the next deep throat is now the era of hard-drinking journalists peering over a famous person's Twitter feed hoping to find an errant dick pic. Honestly, can you imagine Cronkite reporting on a dick pic? And that's the way it is. Saturday, July 18th, 1963 we close out tonight with this grainy polaroid of richard nixon's privates i'm told that the photograph itself is not blurry but the dick is i'm walter cronkite been practicing that cronkite impersonation for years by the way that's how wonky i am about the ju- about journalism it's us We're reading this garbage, and we're driving the market. For God's sakes, people, I'm terrified there were only days away from my seeing Donald Trump's dick. And I'm not sure that gouging my eyes out with a cherry red coat hanger is enough to scour that from my memory. God help me, I can see it now. It has a toupee. (laughs) that's it for the show this week. I managed to pull out a rare twofer. You know, that gets harder and harder as you get older. I mean, I used to could write a weekly show three or four times a week. When I was a kid, I mean, I would see a new story walk by and I would start fantasizing about what it'd be like to write about. And my fingers before I knew it were all over my keyboard and spoosh, another show. These days, I'm lucky to crank it at least one out a week. But hey, at least I can still get it up. Yeah, our show music tonight is by the band Hit no State. Find their music on Jamindo.com. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Write us a review, leave us some stars, or just tell me that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, because clearly I don't. We're on Twitter at the Hell. Underscore podcast on Facebook at What the Hell Podcast and of course at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. And as we close out tonight, I bet you're wondering how I knew about your plans to make me blue with some other reporter you knew before. Just between the two of us, I know you're just a source, but it took me by surprise. I must say, when you published with Fox yesterday. I'm Dave Bledsoe, and we'll see you guys next week.